The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World This program is brought to you by Spirited Sea Travel. Reserve your space for Spring 2020. Visit spiritedseatravel.com and mention Unity Online Radio when booking. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to the Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for being intentional. We say it all the time. There's a big difference between people that have resolutions or goals and intentional spirits. For intentional spirits, stay with the course. They're not influenced by external circumstances or conditions. They just keep moving forward with what they believe in one day at a time, whether they can see changes externally, they just keep staying with it. I know because I am one of those intentional people as well. And it takes practice to stay committed and stay on course, even if you sometimes don't feel that you see measurable results. It's important because you wake up one day and before you know it, a lot of your dreams have come true because you have come true into yourself. We're talking to that type of person today, Dr. Roxanne Delio, and she is on fire for children, one of our most favorite subjects. And I want to welcome you, Dr. Roxanne, to our show today, and I'm just really glad that you're here. Me too. Thank you so much, Reverend Temple. Great to be oh, here. Oh, thank you. Oh, my gosh. And thank you for the work that you're doing. And it's always important to me, um, being a storyteller, to get to hear uh, some of the sacred stories uh, of how how you shape-shifted from the early stages of your life and maybe what you told your teacher you wanted to be when you grew up to then yep. what has brought you to who you are and what you're about now. We have plenty of time, so tell <laughs> us your, your story of how this okay. has unfolded for All you. All right, beautiful opening. Yes, stories are very powerful, and I do use them quite a bit with children. As you know, you know our grandmothers and many indigenous cultures around the world uh, use storytelling one of the reasons why I began writing guided imagery relaxation programs for children. I started as a young grad in a hospital setting, a general pediatric unit, working with children who were uh, indeed uh, suffering. Uh, Some of them were farm accidents. Uh, Other children came in for major open heart surgery. You know, when I was young, I was only in my 20s, and honestly, I was uh, probably every day just asking the Holy Spirit to help me help them and figure out ways to lift their spirits. And because I was so um, involved in the expressive arts therapies, one of the things I did as a director of play therapy with children is to bring the arts to their bedside to help them get out of their condition, so to speak, and the um, sense of isolation that many of them were feeling. Um, What I found out many years later was that uh, I 
recognize that the mind is a very powerful tool and so is creativity when you're working with children. And so uh, I had been uh, working pretty much with uh, uh, terminally ill children at this point uh, at Children's Hospital in Boston, and I was taken as a research assistant at the Harvard Medical School Division of Behavioral Medicine, where I was learning from the pioneers in the field of this this uh, discipline called psychoneuroimmunology, the study of how the thoughts communicate and uh, bring about a cascade of neurochemicals that either promote healing or inhibit it. And uh, the director, Dr. Herbert Benson, was a cardiologist who actually brought Tibetan monks into the clinic to measure what happens when they meditate. And based on that research, he wrote a book called The Relaxation Response, which is still very applicable today as it was years ago. So I could see that, you know, when I would work with the kids, if I brought in slides of my hikes over the weekend, because that's what I love to do, go out in nature and, you know, be with my friends and took lots of pictures and I would put them to music and throw them up on the slide uh, screen within this special sterile environment um, for the children who are bone marrow transplant patients. And what occurred was that they could escape the confounds of that tiny isolation room and allow their imagination to actually start to shape shift their cellular memory, uh, which actually is a very powerful way for the body to heal itself. And so they imagined being outdoors and being on the hike or going on a sailboat ride or whatever it was that I brought into them. What I didn't know at the time was that the doctors were noticing that the blood work was changing and that some of these kids who uh, had been uh, really quite gravely ill were suddenly beginning to sh turn around and have uh, their immune systems um, that were suppressed were now working better. And that's where I really started to get uh, very excited about the work that researchers were doing at the Harvard Medical School, some of whom you may recognize, Joan Borisenko, I was a research assistant to her, and John Kapitsen, the father of mindfulness, uh, was one of my colleagues, and, you know, they would say, you should do something for kids, Roxanne, you know, because we're working with the adults, but you really need to bring your creativity to the children. And I said, you know, John, I really feel like instead of teaching straight mindfulness and having kids erase everything from their mind, I believe that you could enlighten the child by allowing them to use their imagination and the way that I would teach meditation and relaxation to children is really to allow them to make up pictures in their minds, use movies in the mind to direct the body to heal itself or to relax or to settle down so they could sleep well. And because 
there were so many hot spots, if you call, I call them hot spots, um, throughout the day as I did my rounds with hospitalized children, particularly when, you know, the everyday activity started to subside and parents would have to go home at the end of the day or it would become quiet. They had trouble going to sleep and they also needed help bolstering their inner resources to undergo a procedure. It could have been in the treatment room or maybe the surgery the next day. And so born out of these um, particular hot spots, I'll call them, I designed uh, specific relaxation guided meditations for the children that really were addressing a particular issue. So for over 25 years now, I have been teaching teachers and parents how to use these mind-body strategies because I don't think one size fits all. I think you really have to pay attention to the age of the child and work with their imagination and their cognitive ability in order to be effective. And so what I've been developing with these tools is a successful way for teachers and parents to use techniques on different issues with different ages and stages. And the key is to understand that one size does not fit all, that there is an effective technique for your child. And my experience and research has shown that it's important to know and to understand the distinctions in order for opportunity uh, for growth and change to occur for your child. And that's why I have a very specific set of um, exercises and ways to share tactics with parents to work with their kids. I wouldn't use the same technique for a preschooler that I would use for a teenager, obviously. But I think a lot of the time when parents are first understanding about meditation, they they think, well, you know, I'll just do this with my kiddo and that'll help. But really, there is so much more to the foundational uh, structure of setting the conditions just right. Um, And that is one of the things that I, I help parents to understand is that, you know, we do see a lot more uh, anxiety and depression these days. Do you notice that, Reverend Temple? Than we did. Oh yeah, oh, ab- absolutely. Um, yeah, no doubt about it. And yeah. um, you know, and I, I want to uh, at some point, if if we get to go back a little bit and like, oh, why is all this stress there? You know, and mm-hmm. and. And I know that, again, there's no easy answer with some of these mm-hmm. things, but I uh, I find it, like, fascinating often, you know, is it because, uh, because in some of the uh, neuroscience, it says that, you know, the the Kindle, the, the iPad, that these kind of things that kids use, you know, are developing them. I've seen it with my godchild. Uh, her mm-hmm. mind is so brilliant because she watches mm-hmm. all these developmental videos. She knew, you know, like <laughs> a whole vocabulary that we didn't even know she knew because she hadn't started talking yet. <laughs> you know, one day she just starts talking and she's like, she's a college, you know, graduate. I'm like what? But um, 
anyway, it's it's very interesting because uh, where you know, obviously there's a responsibility with what's going on at home because that's true for animals. You know, I mean, yeah. I love when I call the homeopathic. Uh, uh, animal communicator and I go well this is going on with one of our dogs and she goes well what have you been about like lately is it you know what I mean so yeah it's just it feels like that in in many cases that there's such a heightened uh, well getting back to the basics and I know you're an advocate for this one of one of the biggest things is is people are not spending any time in nature you know, mm-hmm. outdoors and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, I know. As we I, once I just, did. So yeah, that's definitely a factor. You you have two hours of silence. You know, then the world is an entirely different place. You know, Absolutely. so. <laughs> well, I recently read um, uh, a report at the National Institute of Mental Health that um, anxiety disorders. Uh, in kids ages 13 to 18 are very uh, much on the increase. One out of four uh, kids have anxiety about social media or athletics or peer uh, and parent pressure. School shooting drills are another thing that we didn't have when we were kids, and that's part of their everyday life. What I'm noticing is that our youth are in crisis. I feel like this is really a serious situation and um, my desire is to offer solutions not just point to the problem but even in the most affluent communities um, you know and I was lucky I grew up uh, in a privileged home I went to a private school and I had a lot of attention from my parents and teachers Um, but one thing that we understand even if material needs are met Experts say that there are two major influences that drive the 21st century anxiety epidemic, which we did not have. This epidemic did not exist before in recorded history. First of all, there's the ramped up culture of achievement, which forces kids to think they uh, have the, the, the most important thing that they should do every day is to focus on the golden ticket of admission to a prestigious college. Mm-hmm. I say that all right? the time, uh, Dr. Right? Roxanne, and I just taught it not long ago. We put so much mm-hmm. energy into an SAT when mm-hmm. it ought to be your soul activating its own truth, right? As Beautiful. an SAT. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. because it's ridiculous. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I use the example of my own life. I'm sure you as well. How many times have you ever applied for a job or you done anything in your life and they ask you what was your SAT score? Never. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah, exactly. It's so pathetic. It's very, but you, you know, know what? They're, they're taking special tests on Saturdays and they're getting mm-hmm. all stressed. And, uh, you know, this is all for the sake of thinking they're going to have a benefit of living the good life at the end of the road when, as you said, they're really missing uh, the soul uh, soulful connection with their inner life. The second uh uh, cause or influence uh, that's affecting anxiety has to do with what you just said, the quality, the addictive quality of the mobile device usage. And I would say I've even discovered now that they have a new um, 
condition called electronic screen disorder, which causes kids to be more irritable, uh, angry, disrespectful, uh, belligerent. I mean, it's, it's, it's affecting the frontal uh, lobe of the brain, which does um, relate to emotions and the ability to modulate anger. So our youth do not know how to access well-being from within themselves. This is my passion is to help teach them. Uh, you know, they do not need to go to any place out there to find their happiness. Their happiness and the peace is within, right? And I know you know this better than anyone, Reverend Temple. And many times the youth are so busy messaging their misery on their mobile devices, they're unfamiliar with the life skills necessary for mental and physical stability and security. And so they're overindulged, misguided, and really disconnected, not not from social media, but from what really matters, which is, you know, family and values and being a part of something that gives a greater purpose uh, to their lives and themselves. And Because parents are also stressed and unskillful, I feel that their children are picking up the tension from the parents uh, without the parents learning ways to decompress and recharge. The parent should be the compass point for the child uh, and reconnect with them on a a more uh, nourishing, nurturing level. I, for one, was very blessed. I came from a home where my mother invented loving time. Every day after school, the three of us, there were three girls in the family, would take our turn, sit on the sofa with mom as she was listening to her beautiful opera. I never understood a word of it, but I I got the vibration of her peace and joy, sitting, brushing my hair, rubbing my arm, whatever, 15 minutes and off the next kid comes in and gets her 15 minutes. I tell parents that one of the most important things is to create a welcome back and not to dismiss your kid just because you think they're on their phones and they don't need you. This is the biggest mistake, biggest mistake. They need the attachment bond to you in order for them to feel their security and their safety. And there is an undercurrent, a trance of unworthiness that kids are feeling because they're searching for their identity and significance in the teenage years. And the parent is missing the signal to create a way to reassure them and to ground them and to be present to them by getting off their own mobile device. You ever notice that? Parents are just as addicted. Oh yeah, definitely. Right? So when you say, let's go to nature, um, I totally agree. And I'm, uh, I like you have always been in athletics and always loved, you know, being in my physicality and being outdoors. And I think the youngsters that I work with are learning how to be more self-aware, not self-absorbed, and to learn how to foster emotional intelligence through self-regulation, using strategies to cope with life and life situations that arise without wanting to numb out 
because I've discovered from some of my kids who I counsel that they borrow medication, psychopharm drugs from their friends and classmates to try out a medicine that might get them feeling a little less discomfort. And this is, this is where I feel we can do better uh, as parents and teachers. It is that sense of discomfort uh, and inability to stay with a very tiny feeling of anxiety that then grows larger and larger because you just can't stay in your skin, so to speak, until the wave, this huge wave of anxiety uh, recedes. They don't wait for it to recede. They're afraid to stay with the discomfort long enough to know that it will recede. And this is what the meditation practices are all about, just helping kids to really uh, understand that they have the capacity within themselves to calm themselves down. And I work with children as young as three, and I tell the parents, we're going to do something called time in, not time out, or sit on Mm. the little chair. I love that. That's cool. Right? Sit on the Mm -hmm. little chair, their little chair. It's not in the corner or anything. It's just in a special place that's peaceful. Take a mirror or something that um, I use Mylar, which is just a paper uh, cardboard that has a a finish that's like tinfoil so the kid can see his face. And I say, um, now, Matthew, I want you to look into your eyes and say, Matthew, this is me talking to you. Go ahead, say it. Okay. Matthew, this is me talking to you. Okay, and now ask Matthew, why are you so mad, so mad, so mad? Go ahead, ask him. Why are you so mad, so mad, so mad? Okay, now look into his eyes and listen to what he has to tell you. What does he say? And I just have the children sit for a moment. And finally, amazingly, they may say something like, well, my brother took my toy or... I don't know. I'm just feeling angry. Okay. Well, this is the time to clear it and calm yourself down. So we'll take three breaths and tell me how you feel. All right. So the beginning instruction for children as young as three is to give them a way to help themselves understand there is a self within themselves that has the knowing and the peacefulness that cannot be disturbed. Mm. That's so powerful. As they grow, there are different tools and tactics that I might offer that have a similar impact. Uh, And so I find that really to approach anxiety in children as if it's their sole problem is really the wrong approach. It's not as effective as understanding that the kids are a product of mom and dad or the broken home or the, you know, um, uh, fact that they're in a blended family and they're learning from us, the adults, how to handle stress. So one of the, ways that I would say um, we want to be 
uh, instructing is by modeling and, you know, shutting off the cell phone and going for uh, a Saturday afternoon trail, <laughs> you know, um, hike is is a beautiful way to help children reacquaint themselves with nature and the peacefulness all around them that is a very powerful device for calming down, you know, discovering together the pleasure of hiking the unmarked trail and by getting outdoors shoulder to shoulder, they stay close and you give of yourself, tell them your story. Your story is the most powerful thing that really distinguishes you as a parent from everyone else and none of their friends can give them the story that you can. So as I, you know, walk in nature or have parents walk in nature, breathe, feel the freedom, the expansiveness, the life force energy all around, I say, you know, allow the not knowing of where the trail will take you to become the way of being in the moment, moment by moment. And what that does is it allows the not knowing to be the awareness of discomfort that then connects you to your child, keeps the child safe, and allows the not knowing to let your child lean on you as the guide, as the secret sauce to give the walk and the time together, the power, the potency it has to rebond, to reconnect, to nurture your kids. And that connection really is a very easy way to help kids to find that instead of using their friends for guidance, which is what's happening, and for information, they will come to you, but they can't if the connection has uh, been broken and there's no uh, bridge or awareness to make that uh, connection uh, be more palpable uh, on an everyday life. There, there are many times as kids are growing up where I say to parents, there are four energy spots throughout the day that are important for reconnection because children who are young don't realize even when when they go to school it feels like there's a there's a we're gonna separation. get right back into that when we come in from break okay all right or ideas and we'll be right back everyone go We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining us. We love the topic of children and how that we can create an energy and a synergy for children to remain calm in the midst of whatever is going on in their lives. I'm talking today with an expert in this field, Dr. Roxanne Dalio, and you can go to her website, Dr. Rox, as D-R, Roxanne Dalio, D-A-L-E-O.com. 
and read about her, get to know her better. Also, um, she has a free gift for you today that she's uh, giving away a, a product that teaches uh, meditation for children. And it's a must have in your, in your library. And so she's offering that as well. We're just delighted um, to have you on the show. And Dr. Roxanne, I don't know if you uh, are aware, but um, I just recently completed filming a film with Deepak Chopra. He's the lead character along with uh, an, a well-known European actress, Gabriella Wright. And we are playing the, the roles of ourselves. It's a fictional film, but it's based upon real-life tragedy because the second leading cause of death of children from 10 to ages 34 is suicide. So we are launching this film. Uh, we're hoping and anticipating it makes Sundance. It will come out in the spring. Um, but it is to support the after effects of based upon what you're saying, if these things could happen early, then we're not going to have the kind of numbers that we have now. But we have a real severe situation within our own humanity component. No 10-year-old ought to be thinking about that they don't want to live, for goodness sakes. It's um, So anyway, I, I, I wasn't sure if you were aware that... Yes, um, I'm fully aware. I'm very aware and I'm very proud of the fact that you're taking a, you know, lead in exposing this um, statistic, which is staggering and, um, you know, certainly something that uh, is a call to action for all of us who want to uh, reach out and help others to do better and to not go unconscious about what is happening with their children. Don't assume just because they're quiet in the other room that they're not uh, getting into a mental mindset that is uh, very destructive. And this is exactly why I offer parents um, these four energy portals throughout the day to check in and tune in and tap down into what what's happening for their children. The most important one is what I call the welcome back. Right after school, they come in. Most kids, and I will tell you that teens are really tough. Um, they're a tough category because they're all about distancing the parent and wanting to go to their room and shut the door and get back on that mobile device and talk for hours on end with their friends. But honestly, if as a parent you understand how to stand for family values, which is, you know, this is a family that is about harmony and love and, and communication, and we take time to connect with each other. I, I ask parents to create a ritual whereby when the kids first come through the door, you're ready for them. You're not doing something else. You're off your, your own computer and you've done something that really signals to them a tone. It could be lighting a candle, a scented candle, and having some, uh, you know, snack ready for them and all sitting together for a few minutes to just check in and talk to each other. Uh, the second time is the dinner time. Now, the dinner hour is almost non-existent, but for some families that I work with, they still believe in sitting and being together as a family I say the simple act of lighting a candle and saying grace 
Now, I, as I said, I, I was one of the fortunate ones. I came from a family where my dad was a true um, our patriarch of the family, and he taught us to be uh, uh, in a sacred moment and to be thankful and grateful and talk to God. And, you know, he was the one who really uh, gave us the indoctrination around bringing the sacred into everyday life. In fact, one time it was early in the morning, probably around 4.30 or 5 o'clock, I woke up because I could hear him uh, getting dressed. And I said, Daddy, Daddy, what are you doing? It's so early. Oh, don't worry, honey. I'm just going to church. I'm going to uh, the Society of Saint of uh, the Sacred Heart. We're going to sit and talk to God together and I'll be back. We're praying for everybody in the world. You just go to sleep. Everything is going to be okay. Now, this is the kind of backdrop that I grew up with where the weave of God in everyday life and the sacred was part of my life. And it is because of this that I feel that when I was afraid and terrified to go into a room of a three-year-old who, who was a burn victim I, I pushed through my fear and I sat there with the child on my lap and just hummed and sang and just was the presence of love because I was poured in with so much love in my life, my young life as I grew up, that I had so much to give. And all I had to do was be the presence of love. And I think that when parents realize this is really a missing ingredient in many children's lives, especially those who trail off and decide they're not worth anything because they're not reminded of their own beauty and uniqueness and uh, importance and significance. When you can imagine telling in a way, not with words, but with actions, your child how important they are and, and how significant by sharing with them stories of who they were to you as they were growing up. These are the things that galvanize the connection, that ground that child, that make it highly unlikely that that kid would feel so bad about themselves that they would want to kill themselves. The third portal is the nighttime. Getting to bed routine is a very important one. And I tell parents that sometimes children, when they go to sleep, and wake up in the morning. It's an imaginary separation, especially when they're little. And, and it's an important moment to plant a seed that they can go to sleep peacefully, that they set aside any of the worries. It's not time to talk about them right before bed, but rather listen to a relaxation CD or a meditation CD after you do a story time and let them go to sleep quietly and peacefully. The other, the last one, which really should be the first one, is what I call the send-off. It's in the morning. And when you uh, greet your, your day with a happy way uh, to let your child know that you're attending to them, uh, they're having a good breakfast, there's something special, maybe a little napkin note that you've put in their lunchbox, something that makes them know you're giving them a good send-off. So here we have the four important energy portals of times that you reconnect with your child. The send-off, first thing in the morning. 
the welcome back when they come home from school, the dinner time to break bread together and say grace, and the nighttime getting to sleep. Mm. That's, that's extremely powerful and very easy to remember as well. Um, can you uh, go back to, we were talking about the 21st century epidemic, and I yes. I might have missed it, but yes. I, whether I did or not, I just want to make sure that no one else does. The first one okay. was we have created a culture of achievement, which is an illusion, because yes. <laughs> normally we're just producing a, a lot of children in debt, you know, hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars and they haven't yeah. even started their first real job. So it's a really self-defeating system. We we create debt from many different avenues. And what is the second one for the epidemic? The second, the second major influence that's driving the uh, anxiety epidemic has to do with what we spoke about, the addictive quality of the mobile device usage. And if parents do not reclaim their potency as parents to sit with their kids and be more uh, of a presence. I mean, I knew when my parents were in the room, there was a presence my father commanded by no words at all, just his, his energy mm-hmm. um, that, that we put away whatever we were doing. In fact, my mother trained us early on when he, when he came home and he, she could hear the garage door open She'd say, girls, girls, your father is coming home. Come, come. Let's uh, greet him at the top of the stairway. Just say, Daddy, thank you. Come and sit down. Mommy has got dinner almost ready. She wants to know if you want something to drink. Take off his shoes, rub his feet. You know, three of us were like pouring all over our dad. Mm -hmm. And there was an understanding that you appreciate what your dad was doing by, you know, going out and earning a living or whatever. And these um, unspoken communications, these rituals, I call them, uh, that you as a family create, this was my family, you know, of origin. Yours could have a different texture. But I would say if you want to have kids who feel good about themselves, you need to let them know that they matter. It's as simple as that, and that they are surrounded by your attention and love. I notice sometimes, too, that, you know, the children who come to me have a tendency to get stuck uh, dealing with frustration or rapidly become uh, overwhelmed and their emotions escalate and they melt down and the parents don't know what to do with them. And I say, you know, Here's the key. You've got to respond to your child before he's at his worst rather than uh, after he's completely um, unconsolable. And one of the ways that we can do that is really by picking up on the warning signs. Now, you know, if a kid says, I'm tired or I'm hungry, or I don't want to do this, or I hate you. Those are warning signs. And instead of lashing out, which some parents have confessed to me, they'll say, oh, you're being a brat right now. Now, what do you think that's going to do? (laughs) 
you're, you're, it, just, you're being it just fuels covered. the separation that exactly exactly mm -hmm. exactly um so redirecting the condition uh instead of saying to your child you're bratty you're manipulative you're stubborn you're trying to control the moment here Use language that describes the various aspects of the child's inflexibility and explosiveness, such as, Johnny, right now, uh, I can see you're being easily frustrated or you're having trouble thinking clearly. Let's sit here quietly and see if you can't just take a breath, take a moment. You see the difference? Oh, yeah. Well, the first one is a form of bullying. <laughs> you know, which yeah. is kind of creating a future bully, which is not um, not really helpful at all. Um, and it's it also kind of invalidates um, a child's real feelings because it's just shoving it under the rug. And now we're into name calling, which never helps mm -hmm. anyone with anything. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And what are the I, I, yeah? So what I'm, is absolutely? And and one of the things. Um, Dr. Roxanne, and I know you're regular, people call you Dr. Roxy, but anyway, <laughs> I, um, I, I was taught by the, um, uh, the leader of this school that we have here, the Creative Play School in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. I was taught by her when my little goddaughter was uh, two and a half uh, to get into the rhythm because you could clearly see when she had too much uh, TV time, and by TV that may it probably meant developmental videos. Okay, mm -hmm. but when she had mm -hmm. too much of that, she mm -hmm. became anxious and reactive. Mm -hmm. And we would mm -hmm. need to take her away from that, and then get her back outdoors, get her outside, get her in the but swimming pool, Absolutely. you know, get her into a space that she just shifted naturally. You know, it was just an awareness that we needed to have that too much of a good thing is not, as Mae West would say, necessarily a good thing because she she was getting overstimulated with a lot of this stuff. Exactly. Exactly. This is this is, um, you know, the the core, I, I would say, curriculum of uh, regrouping. If, if we could just, you know, put out uh, a few simple ideas to listeners today, it would be really to be mindful of just how much uh, electronic, electronic screen time your children are involved in and understanding that they really need you. They, they don't need to be on the computer, even if they are quietly, you know, uh, preoccupied what kids need when they're growing up are manip manipulatives. I mean, every kid, you know, uh, that I ever had preschool taught, I love to work on knobs and, and, and different uh, things that moved. And I say, why don't you play the game of trade and take the phone and give them an Etch-a-Sketch? Uh, there are two knobs on the Etch-a-Sketch, and they're very delightful um, uh, moving knobs that most kids will uh, welcome as a trade for the time off the phone. But you have, as a parent, to be clever uh, to see ways to trade off one activity for another. But if you're not present and attentive, you'll miss the opening 
So I couldn't agree with you more. I think just uh, simply put, being out in the backyard, if you have a hammock, jump in it, put your kid on your lap, swing around and look for the you know, uh, animals in the yard or the birds in the sky. These are the things that make the difference as the child grows to know that they're connected and, and enjoying something with you. Uh, and don't assume that just because they are on the phone with their friends, uh, they don't need you. I can't stress that enough. Oh, absolutely. And um, especially, you know, the I think the call to parents is if if you spent, you know, a lot of your adult life in therapy because of what you perceive or blame your parents doing to you, don't turn around and repeat the very same behavior. <laughs> That's not yeah. helping anything or anyone. So in many cases, don't talk to your children like you still talk to yourself. Look for a new vehicle because through that very nature of looking for new language, it will help you, the person, the adult, have a healing. Absolutely. Absolutely. There isn't anything more delicious, I'm sure you'd agree, than taking your, you know, godchild out for a special outing uh, in nature and exploring the world together, right? It's life-giving. It's it sure it's life-giving to have a, a moment in one's life when someone actually catches their breath when they see you. <laughs> it's just... Uh, it's just a huge moment of what our humanity is all about. The, that, the, you know, yeah. oh, I'm going to have Dr. Roxanne on the show today. <laughs> you know, that's, that's that depth of the pleasure of life, uh, the pleasure of sharing oneself, uh, the, the deepest root of how we are connected. It's, it is, it's, it's, it's what it's all about. About. I would like you to elaborate because, gosh, if okay. you can imagine, in, in a little bit, we're coming to a close here. But um, could you I elaborate have, about your three, free I gift and let's make sure that people are going there because this is real important stuff. Even if you say, I don't have a child, I'm not going to have one. Your sister does, your brother, your aunt, your uncle, the children are everywhere. And trust me, everybody needs help. <laughs> <laughs> well, here are a few. It takes things a village, like right? And that what he already yeah, said, absolutely. it takes a village. Absolutely. Here are a few easy uh, ways to be in nature and to have nature help uh, uh, work with children managing their emotions. First of all, um, when you take your child's hand if they're young or as they get older, and you tell them basically that, you know, the trees are alive. There's a life force energy. I have trees, um, you know, in our nearby uh, yard that are like 80, 90 feet high. They're ancient pine trees that are just amazing. And when you put your hands and your third eye, your forehead, right on the trunk of the tree, what's happening is you're, you're, you're actually exchanging energy with the tree. And you know, when kids are, you know, jumping around and hyperactive, you know, and they they say to me, I, I don't know how these trees stand so tall and stand so still for eons. I can't even sit still in my chair. And I say, well, let's get some energy from the tree. So put your hands on the tree, put your head on the tree, and just take in that grounding, that's, that power. Um, the energy that the tree uses 
from the roots to go all the way up 90 feet to to grow the leaves that are on the very tippy top is pretty amazing when you think about it, isn't it? Yes, it is. Okay. Now let's continue our walk. Here comes a big boulder. Now I want you to know that when you have hard feelings, you can give the hard feelings to the rock because the rock can take it. So let's spend a moment taking all of those hard feelings out of our heart, put it onto the rock. The rock can take it. Or if you can't find a big boulder, you pick up a stone and you're in front of a lake, toss it into the lake, and you're tossing, let's say, symbolically. I use symbolic gesture as Jung, and I know you're a fan of Carl Jung, as Jung would say, you use symbolic gesture because it tells the subconscious mind what it is uh, that is the direction you want to go. And these are the tools that you want to teach your kids as they grow how to self-manage uh, the inner balance and to recalibrate when they're feeling out of sorts and how to ground themselves again. Nature is a powerful, powerful teacher. And it's a wonderful way for all of us to find our peace again, isn't it? It's just, and I think that's so key of, of what you're saying is that we don't need to get away from what works naturally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, just spending quality time connecting, being outdoors, remembering to what we are, remembering what mm. we're connected to. I mean, is mm. that's just what it's all about, really. And yeah, that's the, the part that, you know, that's, I was so drawn to the work you're doing and just touches my soul because mm. to me, the, we, we have it so upside down in our society that we think, oh, it's up to me and I'm going to, you know, make and shape these children and I'm going to put them in the space and they're going to be successful and they're going to be that and they're going to have all the things I didn't have as a child. And they're coming so evolved now into this dimension yeah. and we are still treating them like we're in the forties, some kind of archetypal mm -hmm. antiquated kind of system. And, mm -hmm. um, they are here to teach us. And, and yes, we use those campy words and those platitudes and those cliches, but it's really true. Our real job, which is originally what the word educate meant is just to draw mm -hmm. out what's already there. It's, it's mm -hmm. already there and if we can provide a safe space for them you know to step into that and to be able to make that connection then we're really on to something yeah yeah well you know the other thing is i i know you must live near an ocean do you not oh yeah 10 minutes away okay. you know so without you know forgetting that you know the simple ways of reconnecting and recognizing the interconnectedness of all of life is to take our kids to the ocean. And, you know, when, when we do beach combing and pick up some beautiful uh, seashells, oh, my goodness, I've always wanted to go to Sanibel Island and pick up some seashells down there. Um, but you bring home the seashell as a, a touchstone to remind the child of the event, of the outing, and the... Um, emotion, the, the pleasurable emotion that occurred when you were together, when the adult goes to 
the ocean and can feel their own peace, the child picks up that feeling of peacefulness and gentle quietness. And that silence of listening to the ocean together is just such a natural way for both of you to decompress. It's a beautiful ritual to install in your everyday or every week, you know, uh, life. So try, you know, thinking of ways to extend uh, the, the stress management activities that you as a parent need and invite your child to be with you. And when you do, you, you'll be amazed at how transformative and how uh, the energy is transferred to them because when you're feeling quiet and peaceful and calm, they will feel that as well. That's absolutely true. Well, a, a closing thought. I want to just thank you so much for for being part of our our show today, Dr. Roxanne. Thank you for the work that you continue to do on behalf of the voiceless. It's uh, really powerful what you're doing. Thank you for saying yes. Oh, thank you for the delight of being with you, Reverend uh, Temple, and please. Uh, let us know when the movie comes out. It's an important work that you're embarking on, and I, I salute you for that. Mm, thank you so much. Many blessings, everyone. Go to Dr. Roxanne Dallaleo, D-A-L-E-O, and find out more and get your free gift. It's a pleasure being with all of you. God- Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again, don't take your dreams lying down.